Welcome back to another episode of Sweat and Bullets, a fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, Dia Pinkana. With me, as always, in his fifth voyage on the podcast waves today alone, Jacob Sanderson at Jacob Sanderson on Twitter.com or on X.com. Is that what it's called now? I'm pretty sure. I don't care. I'm still calling it Twitter. Have you I been refused to give in the big act? Uh, I've been cheating. Yeah. I'm exceeding, exceeding <laughs> your expectations. I, I did see that when you retweet things now, it's actually repost. So I'm thinking they're going to go with the really clever post as the terminology for Re-jeet. tweeting, which is really boring. But nevertheless, I guess what would you expect from yeah. a website called X? <laughs> That's like if you, if it would be like if you were on Twitter and then you named your Twitter handle your literal name when you had the whole. The whole ocean to find, you know, something awesome. Hard to say. <laughs> All right. So it is almost preseason. It is. Well, it is the preseason now. The Hall of Fame game was tonight. Technically, it is the preseason. We've kicked off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs just, where is the anniversary of Josh Jacobs losing the two <laughs> rounds of ADP? Yeah, and then being the best version of himself. I'm like yeah. I'm pretty sure that's straight out of the Shanahan motivational tactics. Like if Dante Pettis would have played in the Hall of Fame, he would be in the Hall of Fame. He would be in the Hall of Fame. Likely. That would have kick started his Hall of Fame career. That's why they call it the Hall of Fame game. People don't I'm know that. Quite certain that it would be why, yes. Yes. I'm yeah, I'm eternally grateful to the Hall of Fame game because I'm, I I want to say this time last year I was probably at like one percent Josh Jacobs in best ball, and I definitely didn't get to like a position that would have been profitable, but I I got a lot higher than what like I think I wound up around six or seven percent after having the privilege of drafting him in like the eighth round. So, that is that is much yeah. much closer to profit. big news. I don't think we had any big news today. There was no scandal. I think. Uh, well, we do have thing. big news actually. Oh, it was okay. reported that Zach Wilson was, you know, awesome today. So that's fun. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, probably the biggest news is Jerome Ford was rested. So for the Jerome Ford people out there, of which I am one, that have been advising stashing him in Dynasty, I think you got yourself a handcuff right there. Literally nobody is a Jerome Ford guy. Come on. No, we're all Jerome Ford guys. Everyone's a Jerome Ford guy. You could no. be a Jerome Ford guy. If you if, if you played on Sleeper instead of MFL and making waiver claims wasn't the most painstaking task in your life, you would be a Jerome <laughs> Ford guy right now. <laughs> I'm fairly certain there is in a world in which I would ever consider myself to be a Jerome no, Ford you'd guy. Be, you would be built for tough. There is no, no galaxy, no multiverse in which DFB encounter is a Jerome Ford guy. Well, eight half you're, you're like built Chevy weak, I guess. <laughs> I, you know, that's a, that should, we should write that in. That's probably a good new slogan for them. Built Chevy weak, yeah. Sell a whole lot of trucks. What are we talking way. about? Okay, what are we talking about today? Are we doing an hour on Jerome Ford, or do we have anything else? I'll do an hour wow. on Jerome Ford if you force me. I was thinking we'd cover guys we never talk about, like Trey Lance, Daniel Jones. Okay. Like, uh, John so, Swift. Not, so not guys we actually never talk about, like Jerome Ford. <laughs> well, we don't talk about Jerome Ford because he's not worth mentioning. 
That's why we don't talk about Jerome Ford. Yeah. Well, for the people who want Jerome Ford talk, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to Running Back. We just did 6,700 words on every member of the Eagles and Saints backfield. And Jerome, Jerome Ford. Ford's day will come eventually. It's not come yet, but it's, it's coming. All right. Well, I think today what we're going to do is we, we crowdsourced some topics, and one such topic was excellent, I thought. And it was, how do you decide who to roster on deep dynasty Jerome benches? Ford. That is not. I mean, I joke, I joke, but it, it literally is Jerome Ford. Like it should be. People you roster not, are just not even worth rostering. No, you could not be more wrong. <laughs> is any running back in the pre, in the line of presidential succession right? So, like, if a president dies, the vice president takes over, and if the vice president dies, then I believe it's the speaker of the house. And if the Speaker of the House dies, I, I want to say it's the Senate Majority Leader. Um, and after that, I'm not entirely sure. But that's exactly how you should be treating your, your dynasty running backs, is if the starter goes down, who takes over? If that person go down, goes down, who takes over? But really what you want to do is you want to prioritize who are the profiles that can actually stay on the field, right? Someone asked nope. the other day, what, well, what, is, what is the line of succession? I, I was just gonna say I didn't realize that Jerome Ford was your type. He's, he's, uh, you know, really he had like usually like those small sample trap guys. And no, like game, what are you gonna break into? Are you gonna say that he's bad? Because obviously he's Jerome Ford. Yeah, oh, he's shit. obviously bad. It, the hilarious part is usually it's like oh, like this backup got like three carries. No, he's just a dude like with sufficient size draft capital, kind of sort of. And he's awesome. And then this guy gets eight carries and rushes for 12 yards at 1.5. No, carry. I don't think Jerome Ford is good. You're missing the point entirely. <laughs> I don't think Jerome Ford is good. I, I, I Like, no, not a chance is Jerome Ford good. Well, I'm just pleased to hear he's that fine. you're on the same page with Jerome Ford. He's not good. Yeah, he's terrible. It doesn't matter. Okay, no, but I think, he's a fine, up- I think he's a fine stash. Right. Yeah, someone brought up Evan Hall in the chat the other day, and he was like kind of the perfect example for this because someone was like, um, you know, how, how do you treat someone like Evan Hall with like such a good analytical profile that falls to the fifth round? And let's let's be clear, Evan Hall does not actually have a good analytical profile. Evan Hall has displayed skill sets in ways that make fairly shallow practitioners of the analytical arts excited, right? Like he has a nice target share, he has a nice rushing yards market share. He like has a lot of raw stats from college, but his film grades from Lance Zerline and from really anyone else who does film grading of running backs, Dean Brugel or whatever, take your pick. We're, we're all brutal. Um, when I watched him, I didn't think he was like outstandingly impressive. He's great out as an extraordinarily efficient running back. Uh, and he ends up getting drafted in the fifth round. So is Evan Hall good? Probably not. Does Evan all have like a lot of fantasy friendly skill sets where should touches fall into his lap? he will be able to stay on the field for 70 to 80% of snaps. That seems pretty possible, right? Like he's like, he's like a Nino Benjamin or a, or a Justin Jackson or Samaj P. Ryan, where he could have a few weeks of relevance if things work out. And that's exactly the kind of running back that uh, I want to fill out the entire end of benches with. So this is all a managed league thing. If you're in a best ball league, I understand the appeal of like a Justin Watson or a Richie James or Darius Slayton or whatever. But if you're in a managed league, like, you have the wide receivers you have, have a couple extra. You want to take a shot on a rookie or two? Go for it. Beyond that, 
fill them up with those sweet, sweet RBs. And when the star of the line and you get a chance to stream one, first, offer them plus a three for a two to everyone in your league. If unsuccessful, enjoy those sweet, sweet 13 points per game, baby cakes. See, I feel like I'm not – like I want to have backup running backs. Don't get me wrong. The guys I definitely don't want to have are like the Richie Jameses. Like I'm just not interested in having that on my roster at all. If it's like a wide receiver that isn't like an absolute rookie with like a really exciting landing spot, I'm really not that into the wide receivers that are you know hopefully maybe going to get on the field someday. The guys that I'm really – like the guys I typically fill up my roster with are backup quarterbacks or young quarterbacks, like uh, sure, like uh, yeah, like, Jake Hayner, Clayton Toon, yeah, or even yeah, like Malik Willis is now a 23 round startup pick. I'm like, sure, why not? by golly, like he should be like he's not, he's not good, don't get me wrong, but like, glad you clarified. That is really, really low for a guy who was thought to be generational one year ago. Yeah, I mean, the problem with Malik Willis is like, I, the, historically speaking, if you get benched for Josh Dobbs in a win <laughs> now game, I think it's over for you. Historically speaking, yes. The Josh I think Dobbs it's over for you. Is, that's, is an important, that's an important input in the model. Paul <laughs> Marks failed to consider though. that Malik Willis would be benched for Josh Dobbs. I'm pretty sure they were just saving Malik Willis. I, I'm quite certain I saw some kind of narrative around that. When the what, who are happened. your most rostered players? Because like I'll, I'll just list off mine, and I think you'll get an exact feel for who I like to roster. Okay, here's everyone that I have rostered 20% or higher in Dynasty, and I'm going to exclude players with legitimate ADPs. Okay, so like I'm not going to name Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, people of that ilk. I'm only going to name the late round picks. Okay, what are, okay? what's the website to get this from? Uh, dynastyplanet.com slash tools slash roster ship. You can also use Bulletproof, but I, since I'm in over 50 leagues, it won't calculate all of mine. <laughs> um, okay, so like if Sean Watson is my most rostered player, I'm not mentioning him. I'm not mentioning the guys that are, are high value. I'm only going down the low value, okay? Jarek McKinnon, Samaj AP Ryan, Tank Bigsby, Kevin Harris, Noah Fant, Trey Palmer, Jalen Warren, Luke Musgrave, Travion Williams, Deontay Foreman, Israel Avanacanda, Jay Kaner, Sean Tucker, Tucker Craft, Zonovan Knight. Okay? We're talking about a couple of young quarterbacks and tight ends uh, and receivers, like random rookies, like a Trey Palmer, a Jay Kaner, and a lot of just like backup depth running backs that are are like 210 plus pounds. That's that's pretty much everybody that I'm rostering on the back end of my bench. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to do that because apparently I don't know my password to get into this. So I'm going to go ahead and list the guys that I remember rostering a lot of, which are like, go for it. I don't know, terrible tight ends that have a lot Probably of athleticism. easy for you because you're in like six leagues, so it shouldn't be that I'm hard in, to remember. I'm in like 10, you jerk. Wow, incredible. Yeah, big, big dynasty player. And uh yeah, no, it's for like again, like I said, for me it's I'm picking up like the day three quarterbacks just because if they get on the field, which they probably will at some point, they might do something that's kind of exciting and get somebody, you know, wanting them on their roster, and then you can trade them away. Like for heaven's sake, Tyler Huntley was once an all pro. 
And you could have got him on waivers. And I don't know why you wouldn't. forget. I don't know why you wouldn't. I picked up a bunch of Bailey Zappi last year. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Talk that he might be the starter this year. I definitely think if it's a deep if it's a deep dynasty league and you can get any mobile quarterback backup, that's very worthwhile. Like if you can roster Marcus Mariota right now off the waivers, I would do that. Tyler Huntley perpetually, I would do that. Um, both the backups in Cleveland, but whether it's Josh Dobbs or Dorian Thompson Robinson, both of them run. I'd be interested in rostering either of them or both. Um, yeah, any 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 rushing quarterback backup. Uh, probably a decent enough bet where you could fall ass backward into like the projected quarterback 17 in a given week. So you're going to pick up Mitch Trubisky? I pick up Mitch Trubisky. Why not? Yeah, I think I would too, actually, even though he's not good yeah. at all. I mean, there's all, it always depends. Like in a league with 10 bench spots, probably not making room for Mr. Trubisky, but in a league with 20 bench spots, I got room for the biscuit. I'm, I'm thinking Throw like deep, deep leagues, like 20 bench spots. More so than yeah. 10. Yeah, in a deep league. Because the thing is, like in, in any league, you're going to need a few backup receivers. You're going to need a few backup running backs. You're going to probably want one backup quarterback. You're going to want one or two backup tight ends. So in like a 10-bench league, you don't really have room for flyers, right? Like everyone on your team is kind of like an actually useful depth piece. And then the more bench spots you add beyond that, the more room you have for just like, I'm just going to staff this random guy and see if it ever amounts to anything, right? Like that's so Absolutely. that's where you know, yeah. Put Mitch Trubisky uh, on your bench. Put Jay Kaner on the taxi squad by all means. Yeah, and then there's you know guys like uh, I kind of like like the bounce back out of nowhere guys like uh, James Robinson. Like I feel like he might come back to life at some point. Yeah. I mean, we saw Cam Akers transform in the middle of the season from the worst running back into the NFL to, like, actually really good. I have no idea if that sustains. But theoretically, James Robinson could have that same transformation where he could just, like, theoretically. he sucks, he sucks, he sucks. Oh, my God, he's James Robinson again. Like, that's possible. Yeah. So, like, I like those types of guys. And then, uh, like I said, the, the wide receivers aren't really my thing. But if there's, like, a – like a uh, a wide receiver that kind of flashed as a rookie and then gets completely forgotten about, and he's still you know like 23, 24 years old and and free. Like I'll pick up those guys. Like I got some Lavisca Chenault on my roster now. I don't think I had any after his rookie year, not because his rookie year was bad. I just thought he was really overvalued after his rookie year. And now I think I've got two or three, which is which is a lot when you're in ten leagues. It's a lot. So like those guys coming back to life, that's that's kind of my my thing. And, and like any quarterback that is either young and or potentially competent. Like uh, I'm just who did I see? Jameis Winston. Where's he at? He's in round twenty six yeah, now. Is Jameis is one of my favorite. I take him almost every startup. Right. It's just yeah. Just I'm gonna stash this guy and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Like I'm quite certain I've I've. I don't think I've gotten any Zach Wilson this offseason, but I haven't really tried. Probably should try. But I feel like Yeah, I would I would roster Zach Wilson. Within the next not? year or two, I'm probably gonna pick up a lot of Zach Wilson in just like throw ins and trades. Just because you yeah, yeah, well, know. and then and soon you'll be able to do the same thing with Trey Lance. And I'm probably just not gonna be able to buy Trey Lance by midseason when he takes over and scores twenty points per game. Mm. Seems unlikely. Mm. 
I will have I will have a really like high freelance exposure when he's like the third string running back for the Toronto Argonauts. The third string running back. Harsh. I actually meant to say quarterback. I'm recording this pretty drunk. I was on uh, Best Ball After Dark before this, and I I actually so unconsciously said third string running back, and I'm not taking it back. <laughs> Didn't even mean it, but came out just right. It's perfect. Oh, another guy that I really like that's really late uh, is Gardner Minshew. Like, yeah, I mean, I think he's pretty much now dead to start week one based on how things have gone in training camp. But I mean, it's not always that linear. I could see Richardson like being brutal and they're like, all right, like, why don't you take a seat and, and like Gardner Minshew take it from here? And they give him like a couple of weeks and they reinstate Richardson. There, there's a lot of outs for Minshew. I, feel, I was gonna say, I feel like I wouldn't even be banking on him being the week one starter. I would just be rostering a backup that's probably competent once he gets on the field. And that's yeah, it's kind of a fascinating thing where, like, when I'm drafting Richardson, obviously I want Richardson to play, but anytime I draft any other Colt, I'm like, man, just Minshew to play, that'd be really nice. <laughs> you know, it'd be great for Michael Pittman. Right? Like if, I was, if, I was, if I was guaranteed that Gardner Minshew would play 17 games, I would draft Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce like two to three rounds earlier. You shouldn't draft Alec Pierce, but you should draft Michael Pittman. Uh, well, I. And you know okay. who else you, you would be drafting? If you can't. You can't even say things like you can't draft Alec Pierce when you're not a best and you're not in the best ball streets. Like you gotta, you gotta realize, like Alec well, Pierce. I'm not talking about best ball. This is a fucking dynasty show. Yeah, but it's August, so we have to understand that we occupy a limited space in the minds of the nation. <laughs> anyway, the guy, if Gardner Minshew found his way onto the field, the player that we would be drafting on every league. Uh, Josh Downs? Oh, you're going to say Jelani, Jelani Walker. Damn right someone is saying Jelani. That dude is so Jelani, Jelani Walker Woods. That's yeah. right. Dude is a That's stud. That's a callback. That's what they call a callback for our longtime listeners. <laughs> that is uh, an old time callback. Yeah, that was when Drew was like, I really love this player. What's his name? <laughs> this guy's awesome. Can't remember his name though. Good old good old Jelani Jelani Walker Woods. Yeah. Good times. Jelani Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. His name is my name too. You know, usually Whenever you go I go out, people always shout, Don Jacob Jingleheimer Jelani Walker Woods Schmidt. There you go. Usually when you go into these strange things, I've never heard of them, but I we did sing that in like grade three in elementary right. school. I'm Why didn't sure. you sing along with me? That would have been great. I forgot the words. It's uh, a complex song. Unfortunate. Uh, my course. name is Jacob. So my entire life, I'm like, oh, what? people are like, what are your name? And I'm like, Jacob. And they're like, John Jacob. Yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> I could see how we would have different uh, life experiences based around that song. Personal relationship with that song. <laughs> Anyways, back to the topic at hand. What I was trying yeah. to say is, yes, any running back that is within the presidential order, whatever you called it, is a good yeah, the, the presidential succession. Presidential succession. I like the uh, – I don't really like wide receivers that much unless they're, like, formerly uh, flashed and now are nothing. Then I'll get into a wide receiver once in a while. Tight ends. I'm just looking for like young athletic dudes. Like, uh, yeah, of course. Who's a guy that I really like that's really cheap? Uh, Zach Kuntz at tight end, 24th round. Well, okay, let's Kuntz. Kuntz not be inappropriate. I don't know. His I understand name. that we have a 98% male audience here, but let's, let's just <laughs> let's just be safe and say Kuntz. Kuntz, 
Zach Kuntz is someone that I would like to. Yeah, I love roster exact roster. And and then and then it's backup quarterbacks that I think might be competent and, or and or you, mobile. Those are the options. I mean, this may not fully count in terms of like you can pick them off waivers, but if you don't have over twenty percent exposure to Noah Fant, like give your head a shake at this point. Like you will never find a better dirt cheap throw into a trade instead of a 2026 fourth tight end bet than Noah Fant right now. Like where is Noah Fant right now in 82? He is buried, dude. He is he is free 99. You can get Noah Fant for like the the change in your back pocket. You can get Noah Fant for a gift card that you put through the washing machine until you don't even like you can't even recognize it anymore. He's uh, not fan goes in the, he goes in the 19th round. He's tight end 30. He's not even showing in Dynasty ADP right now. Oh, I can see him in Dynasty ADP. He goes in oh, the 19th round. On. You know who else goes in the 19th round? Paris Campbell, Van Jefferson, Curtis Samuel, Terrace Marshall Jr., Kate Otten, Raheem Moster, Hunter Renfro, Evan Hall, Hayden Hurst, Keontae Ingram, Xavier Hutchinson. Number one buy in Dynasty. Why can't I see him? My I don't know. Scroll line? down. 19, oh, he's 1. in the 18th, you buffoon. Well, he's the 19th on my page. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Same difference, but he's in the 19th yeah. on mine. 1901. Yeah, so, shout out to the band Phoenix. Truly one so of the like, best. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that I want to put on the end of my bench. Those yeah. are the guys. All those guys. Yeah, and think about how guys, fun it was to have David and Joku and Evan Ingram on the end of your bench. That's how fun it's going to be to have Noah Fant in two years. Yeah, and I did have Evan Ingram and David and Joku on all of my of course, teams. So did I. Yeah, the guys I do not, maybe maybe the better way to put it is the guys I do not want to roster are basically like day three wide receivers. Like they're just yeah, exactly. Not something I'm interested yeah. in rostering. Right, you you want to either bet on players from an archetype that often hit in unconventional ways, right? Like tight ends, right? Like tight ends always come from nowhere. Like you can just, like, you don't really have to make high probability bets to tight end. No offense kind of actually is like a pretty conventional bet. He just happens to suck for so long that he's cheap now. But like, you, if you want to roster 100% Elijah Higgins, like go for it. Like, is he, is he going to be good? Probably not. But like, I have no way to tell you he won't be good because tight end is totally random. Um, if you want to roster 100% Zach Koontz, like, you know, may may God guide you to happiness and a plentiful existence. Um, at wide receiver, like we we kind of do know, right? Like it's very rare that wide receivers, especially non-rookie wide receivers that don't have good profiles, are ever going to amount to anything. So you you just have to get so lucky, and you have to compound it, right? It's like I think we talked about Alec Pierce the first episode ever of this show, and it's like I'm not even drafting Alec Pierce in rookie drafts. It's like most of the time, Alex Pierce is probably already a lot better than we thought he would be as a prospect, and it matters zero percent. Like Alex <laughs> Pierce, like a, seems to be pacing for like a perfectly fine NFL career. His, it okay if he ends up in a like, he's going to be an NFL player. Good for him. If one day his quarterback is not Anthony Richardson and he get wounds that wind up in like a high volume, high efficiency passing offense, he he might be twenty. 21 Van Jefferson, which like, congratulations, but it's just, you have to be, you have to be right. Then that's, then you have to be right by a lot. And then you have to get really lucky. And it's just such a parlay 
Whereas the running back, you don't have to be right. Like, Maji P. Ryan sucks, but it's like sometimes fortune favors the running back, you know? And it's just, it just falls right into your lap. Same as the quarterback, right? Only one starts. One guy gets injured. Who's the next guy? Sometimes it's the guy you have on your bench. You know, you love to see it, right? So it's just, if you can just put yourself in a position where you don't actually have to be right and you only have to be lucky, that's just way more, that's just way better than having to take bets on the end of your bench where you have to be both right and lucky. It's so great to hear you talk about how running backs don't matter. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, look, me and Jim Ursay. Hey. Just, uh, me and Jim Ursay, you know, we're just putting putting back a couple of brewskis and uh, chatting about the running back underclass. You know, it's funny. I, if there was an owner in the NFL that I was like, you know, that guy totally gets it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have pegged Jim Ursay. <laughs> You know, the thing about Jim Ursay is, like, he is the broken clock that's right twice per day, right? Like, he, he I think when he, what, what he actually gifted. feels, what he actually feels is just, like, vindictiveness and spite, and then he's, like, landed on the correct position about running back value. <laughs> but then whatever, like, fleeting moment for which he was offering a sharp take, he, he then, like, immediately surpassed that by, by just, like, not understanding how to, like, conduct a human interaction and then making it unnecessarily bad. So, like, somewhere in there was a threat of a good take. I'm pretty sure it was unintentional. Um, and I'm quite sure that regardless of whether or not he was sharp, he has entirely offset any goodwill that he could ever create just being a gigantic blowhard asshole. So... I but he, he did pay $20 million to rescue an orca. And I'm pretty sure he only did it to troll Jonathan Taylor. Like I'm pretty sure he only did it to be like, I have so much disposable income that I'm literally going to move a whale to Seattle and I'm not <laughs> going to pay you a cent because I don't like you. Yeah. That was my favorite part of the whole thing. He like backed his way into being right about not valuing running backs, probably out of spite. And then, then the Certainly. very like next day, basically it's like, yeah, we'll move that whale for 20 million. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Sorry, sorry, Jonathan. There's no salary cap on whale moving, so take care of that real quick. I I personally love rooting for a team whose owner frequently gets involved in football decisions. It's great. It's got to be a wonderful case of fandom that you get to experience. Yeah, I I mean it's like Colts Twitter right now is a mess. Like. The, the like boot licking of Jim say is at an all time high. And people are like, I can't believe like Jonathan Taylor would turn his back on the team or whatever else. Like it's just pretty annoying. Um, the only thing more annoying was that post. It was like, what if Jonathan Taylor gets fitted to the Chiefs and he can share the backfield with Isaiah Pacheco? <laughs> like that gave me a good chuckle. As though Isaiah Pacheco would ever be seen from or heard from again if Jonathan Taylor was on the Kansas City Chiefs. Like Isaiah Pacheco would be somewhere on a milk carton in the Midwest, like never once again mentioned if Jonathan Taylor became a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. I was like, leave it to whoever this guy is to make <laughs> me a Jonathan Taylor truther. <laughs> After all. <laughs> it's like, you mean to tell me that jo generational Jonathan Taylor is going to share the ball with Isaiah Pacheco? Get out of here. I believe you said share his ball. I did. I corrected it later. <laughs> yeah, share his ball with Isaiah Pacheco. It's probably my that. most liked tweet in the history of the world. <laughs> propping up a player that I've consistently rallied against. It's hilarious. Love well, it. I'm glad that you can admit that he's better than Isaiah Pacheco. That's gross. I think he's very, very good. I 
from the start, I said he was Nick Chubb, and everyone took that to be offensive. I don't know why. Well, I, t- I take it to be offensive. Huh. Huh. All right. Well, let's go into some other things. Let's Namely, offenses led by bad, probably bad, young quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. Who do you want to start with? Anyone you like. You're, you're, you're a segment. I don't, I don't like doing this. So I guess I'll start it then. Okay. Jacob. Yeah, so Howell, Ritter, Love, Pickett. All right. I got a question for you. It goes like this. Yeah. Is Desmond Ritter good? Will Probably he be not. good? Could he be good? Is there a chance that he's good at this point? Certainly. There's always a chance. What percentage would you put as a chance that he's like a, let's call it a two-year starter? What are the chances he gets through not only this two, year, but two also years next including year? this year or not including this, this year? year and like, next year? Uh, 35%. Wow, that's probably higher than I, I – I would probably go with, like, 25. I can't imagine they give him another year. Difference. Hey? You can't imagine something that you think is 25% possible? I can't imagine going higher imagination. That is, that, is, that is when my imagination cuts off. I wake up from dreaming. Yeah, so, like, what, so every time you play Pothomatic Trouble, you can't imagine the concept of rolling a six? Every time I play what? Pop-O-Matic trouble. Okay, just go back to singing Jingleheimer Schmidt. Whatever. No, you you like you you like roll the dice and then a little pop. You like pop and then it like rolls the dice. Great. Anytime you play a dice game, you can't imagine rolling any of the numbers. Like if, if one and mm-hmm. four is an unimaginable option for you, then unimaginable. You just, you just roll a an ambiguous number at all times. Um, no, I think it's like plausible. I mean, one of the big reasons I think it's plausible is that. The Falcons have the second easiest schedule in the NFL. They play in the worst division in the NFL, and they play against the other worst division in the NFL. So I think even if Desmond Ritter is quite average, I think it's very possible they kind of do what they did last year and like fumble and bubble their way to a mediocre record. And if they win like seven or eight games, I mean, their Vegas win total is seven and a half. So it's like not outlandish to suggest they could win seven or eight games at all. And if they do, then like I don't know that they will have like an obviously better option, right? So if Desmond Ritter is bad and they wind up picking at the top of the draft, he's a goner. Uh, but if he's like kind of okay and they go eight and nine, you know, will they will they see an option out there that's like this is clearly better than just sticking with Desmond Ritter for another year? I don't know. Are you taking the over or under on the Falcons? Oh, the over for sure. The over, really? Not oh. because of Ritter, but sounds like because strong of Ritter. line because of Bijan. Fantastic weapons. It's Bijan. Uh, it's mostly London and Pitts, but it's a little bit of Bijan. But Bijan got picked eighth overall, and he plays the most important position yeah. on the field. He touches the ball more than almost anyone other than Desmond Ritter. Uh, yeah, I, the Falcons over is like one of my biggest positions. I mean, I, a big part of it's just the division they play in, right? So they get to play the Falcon schedule is like lusciously easy i don't even think people quite appreciate just how easy it is i'm gonna run through all the games okay they play home to the panthers home to the packers at lions at jags home to texans home to commanders at bucks at titans home to vikings at cardinals home to saints at jets home to bucks at panthers home to colts at Bears, at Saints. There's like three games in there that they're going to be more than a field goal underdog in. That's Otherwise, wild. it's just tons of winnable games. I didn't right? believe like you. The only 
the only games in that schedule where you're like, they're not going to win this is like at Jets, at Jaguars, maybe at Lions, but I'm not even that sold on the Lions. Like every other game, either they're favored or it's like a coin flip. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. I mean, they have a pretty decent roster. I get that Arthur Smith is a kind of a donkey for fantasy purposes, but kind of his whole thing is helping six win teams win eight games, right? Like that's what he was put on this earth to do is to like short sightedly win slightly more games than a team's talent level. So I, I think that they can do that. I think they can win eight games, even if Desperator sucks. I was, when I asked the question, I will be honest. I was thinking I'm taking the under for sure. And now I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a really easy schedule. Like they might go 16 and 0. This could be a perfect team. <laughs> 17 yeah. 0 now. Yeah. I mean, they get the AFC South, of which three teams are really bad. They get the NFC South twice, of course, their own division, of which all the teams are bad. And their out of division games are, yeah, it's okay. Jets, that's a legitimate team. Otherwise, it's Bears suck, Cardinals suck. Commanders stuck. Uh, it's 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 wild. Oh, like it's it's truly wild. Oh, and Packers suck. I can't believe that you just said that the Bears suck when they have like an MVP favorite. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why we left Justin Fields off this list of up and coming shitty quarterbacks because seems to fit. Wow, shots fired. It is true. I mean, the the like. Do you think it's just a matter of that the Bears fans have never had a good quarterback before? And so when they actually drafted a conventionally good prospect, they were so happy that they now just can't envision the prospect that it doesn't work out. Like they're just like, when we drafted Justin Fields, I decided he was the future. And until such time as it is absolutely proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's not. I can only exist in the world in which he is. And thus, like anything less than 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns is unimaginable to me. That which you're speaking is is just good old-fashioned plain fandom. I I have it on good authority. Because Bears fans give Giants fans and, and, and Steelers fans the run for their money in terms of delusion over their quarterback. I was just about to say, I have it on good authority that the Giants – fandom the the fan base of the new york giants the new york football giants are very very convinced that one daniel jones is actually a franchise quarterback going into his fifth year who do you think is the most delusional fan base giants fans about daniel jones Steelers fans about kenny pickett or chicago bears fans about justin fields i think there is a clear answer but there are two strong contenders In, in my mind it's the giants oh for me it's definitely the steelers like the Steelers fans are always the most delusional about everything. So, yeah, like because it's it's like the whole team. Like the Steelers fans, because okay, the Giants fans and the Bears fans. What separates them from the Steelers fans? The, the Giants fans and the Bears fans have like a singular object of their delusion, where they'll be like Daniel Jones slash Justin Fields has only been bad because they've had no help, but now they're getting help, so they'll be good. But Steelers fans will simultaneously tell you that Kenny Pickett is one of the best five quarterbacks in the NFL, but also tell you that Deontay Johnson is awesome and George Pickens is going to the Hall of Fame. And Pat Firebreeze is better than Kyle Pitts. So it's like they're, every member of the team is, is good, but yet the team was bad, but Pickett is also good. So 
it's like it, none of it actually makes sense. You know um, what? To a point where like it's it, it's untenable to hold all these positions together because like the quarterback is great, he had great weapons, but the stats were bad, and the record was bad. So it's like how do these things all work together? And they don't. But you just have to you just have to vibe. You just have to vibe. You, you may have just convinced me. I I just haven't been <laughs> inundated in Steelers fandom yet. Well, Packers really Twitter should have made this list, by the way. They're fourth, but they should have made the Ooh. list because Packers Twitter, Packers Twitter, with Jordan mm, Love. Yeah. They, sh- they're, they're, they're a ways behind the other three, but I do feel as though we left them out by not including them. Well, I think the forty, like I honestly, like I just think it all depends on who has the most ridiculously awful, <laughs> like reaction to a given season. Because I remember thinking the 49ers fans were completely delusional in the early Jimmy G eras era. And for well, so the 49ers fans are currently split. Like the 49ers fans are in a civil war between yeah. like the pro Purdy contingent and the pro Lance contingent. So yeah. they're, 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 they're figuring some things out. out. <laughs> yeah. They're struggling. You do make a great point. Like the, the, the reason I say the Giants fans is because I haven't really got into it with the Bears fans, but the Giants fans just keep coming back. Like it's fake Kenny Galladay <laughs> alpha, fake alpha Kenny Galladay, and it's Evan Ingram can't catch. And it's Daniel Jones is awesome. And it's just it's just one thing after another. But you make a great point. The Steelers fans, I have seen many Steelers fans, and I don't really get into it anymore. But the Najee Harris debates, like <laughs> Najee Harris is a great pick. This franchise can do no wrong. They like we have never had a losing season since we hired Bill Cower 37 years ago because we're so good. If the front office picked Najee Harris, it's because Najee Harris was the right pick. Like this, I mean, it's like just bowing to authority in the Steelers' world drives me crazy. I mean, I you don't even have to with the Giants. You have to go out of your way to insult the Giants for them to end up in your mentions. But with the Steelers, like you just post anything about running back. Like if I'm just like, here are, in my opinion, the five best running backs in the NFL. Some like random Steelers fan named like, I don't know, like. Um, T Boone, George Pickens will like show up in your mentions and he'll be like, no, nah, you better. Like it's a guarantee that will occur. I was just going to say the next thing that drives you nuts about Steelers fans is when you insinuate perhaps that the Steelers are in fact, <laughs> not just excellent wide receiver drafters and actually just draft a <laughs> shit ton of wide receivers. Yeah. Cause it's like, I, I, I don't well, know. I failed to consider Sammy Coates. I had them up last year, and they had drafted like six more wide receivers in the past ten years than the second highest drafting. <laughs> they're, just, they're just prolific wide receiver drafters. Yeah, they just draft a Which lot. Which is smart, by the way. Like it's actually an accomplishment because like it's a it's a really important position, and the Steelers yeah. aren't actually that dumb in that one respect. So they're like, we're going to draft a lot of this high value position. And really like, almost every year they take a wide receiver in the second round. Yeah, almost every year. <laughs> almost every single year, exactly. On today's episode of Sweatin' Bullets, a bulletproof fantasy football podcast, we talked about how to trim the benches of your dynasty roster. But what if I was to tell you that there's even something more precious than your dynasty bench stashes that needs a little bit of trimming? That's right, the Bulletproof Fantasy Football Podcast Network, including Sweatin' Bullets, is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped will help you trim the end of your bench so that you're in your peak performance and there's nowhere to get in more peak performance than the Performance Package 4.0. The Performance Package 4.0 
is waterproof. It reduces foot odor. It includes the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to reduce nicks and cuts when you're shaving your precious end of bench. It also, of course, reduces the risk of ingrown hairs, reduces the risk of grooming accidents, but massively increases the risk that you might become extraordinarily desirable to whatever sex you wish to attract in your sexcapades. Make sure to use the Performance Package 4.0 in whatever you wish to desire as you reach out in your endeavors. And if you are going to reach out and get the Performance Package 4.0, you simply must use code BPFF, that's Bulletproof Fantasy Football, BPFF for 20% off your first order. Thank you, Manscaped, for sponsoring this show. And again, that's code BPFF for up to 20% off of your performance package 4.0. Except for now that they got George Pickens. Did you see that boy run that great route and then uh, make a little catch with his one hand? Yeah, I, I like saw that one. George Pickens. Uh, there wasn't the a lot of separation on that route, was there? There wasn't. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I kind of his best ball ADP is fine. His dynasty ADP is fine. There was like a time when George Pickens' steam was absolutely absurd, and I felt the need to fight it. Um, I don't know. I don't like feel any type of way about George Pickens in his current valuation. I. I'm not really drafting him, but his ADP does not offend me in any format. It's fine. If you want to, if you want to bet on George Pickens, you can bet on George Pickens. I'm not going to stop you. See, I feel somewhat similar. I don't think that his ADP on its own is overly bad, but I will also say him going two rounds ahead of Deontay Johnson is perhaps the most criminal thing in the entire world. Yeah. So I feel very strongly that he's, Overrated while also being like, yeah, it's price fine. It's just the Deontay well, Johnson is far underrated. What when when best ball when well when best ball season opened, Pickens was going ahead of Deontay in seasonal, and that that's was just outrageous. But Deontay has risen a full two rounds, so that that's corrected itself. Deontay is now going in the middle of the fifth. Pickens is going in the middle of the seventh. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that's fine. Yeah, that makes more like, sense. De- Deontay and Pickens are like Spider-Man meme with McLaurin and Dodson. Like, I feel the exact same way about both of them. Like, they both have a shitty quarterback. They're both like one wide receiver who earns a lot of volume, but is probably somewhat unspecial. Um, and then like another rookie wide receiver who's probably reasonably good, but is like probably not actually that much of a threat to take over the alpha role this year. And probably one of them has like 13 points per game and the other has like 11. And the world's been sadly on. So here's another interesting thing I was thinking about literally today uh, because I saw another clip of George Pickens making another fancy catch or whatever. And uh, I don't know, maybe it was, it might've been Deontay today. Anyways, the point doesn't really yeah, matter. Deontay kind of one-handed catch. Deontay actually has like a lot of spectacular catches for a person who can't catch a five-yard slant that hits him directly in the hands. Yeah, I mean, he's incredible. The thing he should only find, catch passes one-handed. The thing that I think is really interesting about George Pickens is that Despite having never once a very, been open, what is that he's never once been open? It doesn't matter, it yeah, simply does not matter. Open. He's both never he, and always open. That's he key. is, yeah, he is never and always open. He is, or rather, so George Pickens put up like what 800 yards something last year, like 850, 880 yards, something like that. Uh, 800 and some change, I think, yeah, which is like typically something. a pretty good rookie year. Pretty like good. most guys that have 800 yeah, yards pretty, pretty well. 
And the remarkable thing to me is that he, you know, played with Deontay, who had like a 30% target share almost. And he played with Pat Furmouth, who's pretty good. Pretty good. And yeah. he played with Kenny Pickett, who was A, a rookie, and B, a bad rookie. And he still put up 800 yards. And it's just, I don't really understand how he did that. Like, looking back, I'm like, well, he actually I had like really understand. high per target efficiency. Yeah. That, and that's which like is, something that you get which, excited about. I mean, that's, that's there's something to be said for that. Um, I mean, what's, what's to be said for that? It's like, congratulations. I don't really care going forward. I guess that's what to be said for that, but it's it's something. <laughs> it, it's not even really something because his ADOT was like 15.6. So, like most players with an ADOT of 15.6 have pretty high yards per target. But so, yeah, he had 801 receiving yards, which is pretty good. Uh, yeah, I thought he did too. He but probably also played incorrect. 17 games, though. I guess right. He did, and he also like ran. He ran 91 of the routes, which is very rare for a rookie to run 91. Yeah, because he's so good. So he got on the field. Which right is like, away. I mean, it's impressive in a vacuum, but it does make the 801 yards a little less impressive. <laughs> Anyways, so let's talk. Let's talk he about was, uh, he, was 80, he was 87th in the NFL in target rate. So should do. Yeah. Not bad for a rookie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what you're gonna say. Let's talk about the Steelers. Um. Yeah, I like the Steelers. Um. More so in best ball, I guess, just because I don't know. It's like easier to talk yourself into Kenny Pickett in the context of a best ball tournament than it is in the context of like real life, where you have to stay with the hand that you've chosen. Um. Things that I like about the Steelers. Number one, always competent. Right, like they're always kind of in the mix. They have like an organizational stability about them, where usually things don't spiral completely out of control. Like you don't have a 2022 Colts situation on your hands, where it's like, oh my god, Jeff Saturday's the coach. Um, that's a plus. <laughs> right? Jeff Saturday coaching career. Oh my god, yeah. so embarrassed. There's, there's kind of like a floor of competence surrounding the Steelers that is like reassuring when when it's priced in that they're going to be bad. Um, also, historically, a high pace team pretty frequently hit 65 plus plays per game, right? It's a team that tends to run a lot of plays. So that's really good. How did also they do last team, year? Um, I don't have it in front of me, but I can pull it up in the next. Because uh, Roethlisberger always ran lots of plays. I don't know that, that would be the same case. Yeah, they were still high. They, they still, even they? last year, they were 65.2 plays per game, which was 10th in the NFL. No, that's not bad. So, so not as high as like the peak Roethlisberger, but still solidly above average. And way above, like, the Mason Rudolph-Duck Hodgins season. Uh, I don't have that in front of me, but I, I do believe so. Um, I can pull that up. Well, they the went from, like, the highest pass to the yeah. NFL to the lowest. The 2019 Steelers were a disaster there, 58.6 plays per game. But yeah. last year, they were, they were like, quite adequate, 65.2, 10th in the league. Like, they're right in between, like, Dallas, Cincinnati, and Buffalo. So when you, when you look at plays per game, it's, like, good off – Offense is good. Offense is good. Offense is good. Offense is Steelers, which is you know that that shows that this is like a philosophical commitment to getting up and snapping the ball, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's that's exciting. Also, so, like historically, pretty high pass rate team. Not as much last year, but most rookie quarterbacks aren't. But I think you can talk yourself into the idea that the Steelers under Tomlin, historically, they're willing to play fast. They're willing to pass the ball. So if Kenny Pickett's a little better than we expect. We don't really have to worry about like Titans y, Falcons y downside. Like, they're a team where 
if Pickett's a little better than we think, they're, they're willing to push the pace, they're willing to throw. So all of that's really positive for their team environment. And I do think that Friermuth and Deontay Johnson are generally underrated in terms of their target earning capacity. And I don't really like hate George Pickens that much. I, I don't like Najee Harris. Um, but like I recently won Najee Harris in an auction for like 4% of my budget. And I was okay with that. So like people hate Najee Harris enough that he's almost entered the David Montgomery zone of like, fine, fine. I'll take Najee Harris. Um, yeah, I think I think that Steelers is kind of an underrated offense. Yeah, the what do you like? If I recall, um, Kenny Pickett was your quarterback one in that class. Is that right? What do you think? He was, not, he was QB. He was uh, QB three in that class for me. I thought after the draft he moved to QB one. Oh, after the draft he was my QB one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. He was everyone's QB one in that class after the draft. Yeah. Well, I mean, he kind of wasn't. He kind of wasn't like. I like I ranked him the highest, but I also was like I don't think he's the best quarterback in this class. Even after the draft, I I retained Ritter QB one bags, and I stand by them. Let me let me. Whoops, I didn't mean to do that. Definitely oh Eagles QB one. Um, let me just tell you about some of the things that I was told after I had done a video on Najee Harris in his rookie year. Just like a day before the draft, yeah, because it was. Well, we this was before we podcasted together, but we 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 were both Najee Harris RB three in his draft class. That is true. So feel good about that. Uh, Alex dot p twenty one ninety four two years ago told me big L take, and then someone else commented, "Great analysis. No reason explaining and wasting energy to people who think like this." pick specifically to Najee too blinded by this never take a RB first round <laughs> what <laughs> bozo take per Y3EE3E the, the, they were out with pitchforks I'm telling you Jacob yeah. pitchforks I say what do you what do you make of uh what do you make of Jalen Warren are you a big Warren guy no I'm not a big Warren guy but I'll roster him yeah I'm, not, I'm, I'm also not a big Warren guy I there's no, Never going to be one I guy mean, where he's not the starter and I'm a big him guy. Like, that's just not my I thing. I mean, like, based on my, I know, uh, based on my, like, exposure, you'd think I'm a big Warren guy because I was a big Warren is a UDFA who I can pick up off waivers for literally nothing guy. Yeah. Uh, and he was good enough, but I've generally kept him. And he, like, despite being good enough, he's never, he hasn't, like, risen. He's risen to the point where people are intrigued, but he hasn't really risen to the point where you can actually trade him for, like, real stuff yet. So I've just kind of kept all my shares. Um, I'm more curious. I'll put it that way. Like I, I like the idea of betting against Najee Harris, right? Because I, I think he's bad. So, like vessels through which I can bet against Najee Harris have innate appeal to me. Um, so I have a question for you. The other fun thing about Warren is that he actually graded out really well as a receiver, and he has sufficient size. So that's interesting. I'm still like very unconvinced that he's actually good. Like I know his metrics say he is, but I think he was mostly just running a lot of draws against white boxes on third and nine. But um, at the very least, I think he's like as good as Najee because Najee's a turd. Do you remember? Um, no, never, never mind that part. So 
Yeah, like you don't need him to be good though. That's the thing. Like he's he's not good yeah. enough to overtake well, Najee. You need him to be good to overtake Najee Harris. But he's I not going to. Really, all you're looking for from Jalen Warren, realistically, is you're looking for him to flash fancy metrics in a limited role to rise his value. Najee sprains an ankle for two weeks. Warren comes in, has 22 points per game, and you trade him plus the 24 second for a 26 first. That's like really what you wanted a Jalen Warren. I was going to say, like, you don't need Jalen Warren to be good enough to beat Najee. You just need him to be good enough to get people excited so that you can trade him to them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, you know, I I, uh, I don't want to develop an Icarus complex here, right? Like, sometimes when we go all in, on a Tony Pollard. I don't all of a sudden want people to start, you know, it's like when you, you know, when people like start to see Jesus and their grilled cheese, right. I don't want to, I don't want everyone to start seeing Tony Pollard's and their Jalen Warren's. Okay. I want people to be careful where sometimes there's Tony Pollard's, but not every backup with a fancy little acronym next to their rushing stats is Tony Pollard. Okay. I want people to, to, to treat the deity with respect and, Maybe Jalen Warren is that guy, but I just want people to slow the roll a little bit. I want people to be patient, and I want people, for the moment, to treat him as a contingent value running back with some upside to a standalone role because Najee Harris is cheeks. That's all I want. Yeah, I think this is a really valuable insight. If there's any analysts listening to the show, like you really can't force it, and I think you'll learn that over time if you're new to it and if you're you know doing this for a long time you probably already know but you really can't like force it like i did this whole thing about two or three years ago it's like you are way too low on joe burrow and i just hit it over and over and over and over for like two months on twitter did a youtube video of it it was like one of the biggest youtube sensations in all of the channel and Mm -hmm. then the next year everyone's like well who's joe burrow who's this year's joe burrow i'm like yeah, like there isn't one. You can't you can't force these things. Right. Like sometimes it's there, and you just you see it, and you're like, everyone's wrong about this. We got to go all in. And other times it's like there isn't one. Like there's just not another Joe Burrow right now. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I've had so many people ask me who this year's Tony Pollard is, and I my answer to that is like, I went so far into the Tony Pollard thing. And part of what I kept saying was like, okay, I know there's all these other running backs that people have said this about, but Tony Pollard is different. I think you cheapen that argument if then the next year you're like, this guy's also the same, and this guy's the same, and this guy's the same. It's like the whole point was that I was yelling at people that Tony Pollard is different than all of these other similar running backs. So I, just because we were right about Tony Pollard doesn't mean that we then want to abandon scrutiny about all the running backs moving yeah. forward. Like part of the Pollard thing that people forget is it was not like one year. It was like a three-year sustained sample of fancy stats in a small role and then a couple of small games to lead back. Like it took a long time for me to move from this guy's interesting to this guy might be good to this guy's actually the truth. Like Warren could get there. It's not yet. Let's just let's just slow down a little bit. <laughs> I think that realistically, like if there's any guy that is like this year's Tony Pollard for me from a real life perspective of Khalil Herbert. It's just that he doesn't catch any passes. So for fantasy, it's, it doesn't really matter. Like he's probably more like this year's Rashad Penny. Right. So it's mm-hmm. just, it's just, so there isn't a this year's Tony Pollard. I don't even think there's a this year's Ramondre Stevenson. I think have it's you just not like a great heard? year for it. Have you heard that there is a um, DeAndre Swift RB1 setting? 
Yeah, I have heard that uh, he's looking good at camp. He's catching some passes. He's running around. I mean, always thought the Andre Swift game looked best in shorts. So it makes sense. <laughs> uh, I don't actually remember much trading camp hype from him the last few years, but maybe I just. No, I remember the opposite of trading camp hype. I remember like him on Hard Knocks and Deuce Staley being like, why are you running out of bounds? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say I remember him um, not getting a lot of turning cap actually. Yeah, he's usually January Swift's August ADP trends have been consistently downward. So this is a big this is a big difference. His rookie year he was injured all camp. His second year he was also injured all camp. And then his third year he was like getting yelled at on hard knocks every day. Um tough life. So this is legitimately good. I wrote uh, a lot about the Eagles um backfield. I I Started off my offseason hitchhikers got to running back, and I started my first two backfields that I wrote about were the Eagles and the Saints. And I I wrote some some uncharacteristically complimentary things about DeAndre Swift and also some mean things about DeAndre Swift, but I think I was fair and balanced. I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the positives. Is that That's this? all I, I want to Confirmation me. Under the category of contingent value, right? I said, contingent value is why DeAndre Swift is rightfully the first back taken in this backfield. He's live to lead the teams in carries and receptions beginning week one, given Penny's injury and contract questions. Even if he doesn't, he's the only option in this backfield who stands to majorly benefit if any other player is injured or falls out of favor given his more well-rounded skill set. My take is that the market is too optimistic regarding Swift's standalone role and the extent of his upside given the Eagles' systemic running back target concerns and because I think the market generally overrates Swift's talent. Now, that was a little bit mean. But... If he does play a smaller than expected role in the preseason or beat reports to the three or four man committee surface, I would love to buy Swift at a depressed price. There's a world where Swift's success rate peccadillos are masked by the Eagles offense and the team prefers his rushing receiving versatility to the one dimensional Penny or Gainwell and treats him as an every down back. It's also possible he emerges as that back over the course of the season due to injuries or strong performance. While I don't like him quite as much as his ADP, I like him a lot more than my modest projection would otherwise signal. Every other back in this backfield is a very limited skill set with too many viable sources of competition. There's likely to be a two or three way split regardless of injuries to other members with exception of Swift's path to a standalone workhorse role. So there you go. A little bit of optimism on DeAndre Swift. That is, that is quite the right. I'm shocked that you think he's too expensive for contingent value though. Were you not drafting AJ Dillon last year in like round four? No. That wasn't you? No. Are you sure? Well, first of all, the ADP wasn't even round four, but I definitely was it? I was underweight AJ Dillon last year. Uh, at least in best ball, it was like the five six turn, and I, I was underweight. Wow, oh. I was told last year that he. Well, my objection was that you you said that he was the worst pick in he was. in fantasy, you and I argued that he was not the worst four. pick in fantasy. Or five or six. Uh, he didn't yeah. even go round four. But no, I, I I was like he's not literally the worst pick in fantasy. But I, I was underweight. Yeah, you're you're right. That was actually Gabriel Davis. <laughs> There you go. Uh, hilarious. Can't believe it. Anyways, okay. But yeah, so, I drafted the listeners will be I, I was in a hundred and fifty dollar entry best ball tournament with 30k to first, and second place is only like six K. So very top heavy. I was in the seventh round. I only had one running back on my roster because I had started Devontae Adams, Diggs, T. Higgins. And I was like, you know what? I could draft Damian Pierce. I could draft uh Cam Akers. I could draft Alexander Madison. But I'm shooting for the moon when I drafted DeAndre Swift. Yeah. That's how so you should go. That's a great go. job. Shot for the moon. Interesting. Maybe you'll land among the stars. 
can't believe that you reached so heavily on Devontae Adams in round one, though. Bold strategy. No, I took him in round two. I took Stephon Diggs in round one. Oh, you just set him first. Okay. That makes oh, more sense. Yeah. I was like, man, I, w- I can't believe you took Adams over Diggs when Adams is no. going like way later because no. uh, Adams really got the short end of the stick when it comes to quarterbacks. He went from superstar Derek Carr to, you know, trailer trash um, Jimmy Garoppolo. So trailer trash is my favorite song by Modest Mouse. Um, people always love when I when I shout out the mouse on these podcasts. Nobody's you know that one goes. That. Not a single person. If no, you, I if guarantee you, you, our listeners have. Every time that I do a Modest Mouse shout out in one of these episodes, I immediately my channel just pings with with mouse heads that are are pumped. Go ahead and give us a five star review referencing Modest Mouse for a chance to read Jacob's Hitchhiker's. Galaxy running back guide. Well, the first one is free, so you can read it regardless. But that was my point. <laughs> yeah. How many are you gonna do? Eating snowflakes with plastic forks and a paper plate. Of course, you think of everything. Uh, how many am I gonna do? I am gonna talk like about every single running back. That's oh, like a, a ton. Um, I will be discussing every single running back that's being drafted outside the first six rounds in seasonal leagues. And I've divided this up into a number of categories. So I'm starting off with the ambiguous running back rooms, which I defined as no running backs going in the first six rounds and three running backs going in the top 200. So that's four backfields. It's the Saints and Eagles that I've discussed already. And then the Bears and Dolphins are next up. After that, I'm going to talk about some of the fragile RB1s that are being drafted a little later. So we're talking your Pierce, your Akers, your Madison, your Rashad White, your James Conner. Um, some of those guys where it's like, it looks like they have the backfield of themselves. There's no real like backup, but people just aren't really buying into the talent necessarily. And then, uh, we're going to talk about some of these split backfields. So running backs or running back rooms with two running backs only that are being drafted, but they're being drafted very close together. So like the Broncos, Buffalo bills, the Washington commanders, um, all fit into that category. Then we're going to talk about all the handcuffs. So your Jalen Warrens, your Tank Bigsby's, your Tajay Spears, your Devin Singletary's, et cetera, et cetera. And then we're going to get into everybody's favorite column, which is the ambiguous handcuff battles. So we're going to have an entire set of columns devoted to things like Keontae Ingram versus Corey Clement, Isaiah Spiller oh, versus Josh Kelly. Uh, you know, that's what people pay the big bucks for. People, if you're asking me how many running backs we're going to talk about, buddy, I gave two full paragraphs to Eno Benjamin in yesterday's article. Uh, is it he better than James Conner? Well, he is, but did you lead with that? Teams refused to. <laughs> I did not. I I, let, I did lead with uh, former Hitchhiker's Guide favorite Brian Eno Benjamin. <laughs> you should have led with former better than I gave James Conner Eno Benjamin. I gave a full paragraph to Trey Sermon. We go deep on the Hitchhiker's Guide. That is that is entirely too deep. Yeah, and and, and I said uh, dynasty fashion only. Makes sense. Okay, we got, we got off topic. Love it though. Um, where were that's, we at? That's actually the slogan for uh, my Substack. We got off topic. Love it though. <laughs> Pardon me. Uh, okay, podcast, so we had talked briefly about um, with the doppelganger situation between. Uh, with the with the commanders, and how their wide receivers are very 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 similar, yeah, to the Steelers, yeah. Very and similar. I actually think that their quarterbacks are 
kind of similar as well and that they're both kind of probably bad but i i kind of like who would you rather have at cost between howl and pickett? pickett and howl um i would rather have pickett would you really do with the players i don't i don't engage in like a ton of narrative based analysis but i do kind of buy the narrative of like the steelers being stubborn and, and I just think they're going to roll a picket until it's like absolutely impossible to do anything else. So I think, I think like picket, most late first round quarterbacks don't have a leash, but I think picket kind of uniquely does just because the Steelers are, are just such a weird, like small C conservative team where, and I also just don't see them being bad enough. And I don't think picket is like embarrassingly bad. So I just think they're going to just keep rolling them out there. Whereas, Howell's on no leash. Like Howell throws two interceptions game one. Jacoby Brissett plays week two. So I, I would take Pickett. That's interesting. See, I feel like you're you're probably right. Like I think Pickett has a lot higher floor, obviously. I think he's gonna start for at least a couple more years. But I feel like if I were to bet on one of these guys to actually be good at football, I feel like I kind of still think it'd be Howell. And maybe, maybe that's wrong, but uh, I'm probably going that direction. Yeah, I mean, I think that. I wouldn't go that far, um, but I'll meet you halfway. Okay. Um, I'll meet you at, if I was to bet on one of these guys to be a QB1, it would be Sam Howell, because I think they're both pretty unlikely to be good at football, but Howell runs a lot. So, like, I think Howell, Howell can be the 23rd best quarterback in the NFL and, like, the ninth best quarterback in fantasy in a way that Pickett can't. See, it's interesting because I I was like really down on Howell's rushing because of the player profile of Phenomenon. I think we talked about it recently right, on the show. A lie. Actually. A lie. And how that's actually his high school 40 time. And now I'm right back in. I'm like, hey, like he's sneaky athletic. Let's go. He might rush. You know, he's not going to lead. Right. He's not going to. I mean, Justin Fields out there for 1,200 yards or whatever, but he could, he could go for 500 yards. I think that's totally possible. Yeah. I haven't projected like pretty bullishly. Um, in his rushing line, I mean, he has a he has a better rushing profile, frankly, than like Anthony Richardson in college. Um, I don't expect him to outrun Anthony Richardson because I think the athleticism starts to kick in at the NFL level a little bit. But he he ran a lot in college, and I have him for yeah, I have him for 562 rushing yards this year, and that's with the 17 games started. I wouldn't actually project him for 17 games, but it's just it's a lot of extra work to to put in Jacoby Brissett in there, and I didn't want to. So I'm pretty good. sure Jacoby Brissett isn't good though. Like he's he's like fine. Pretty yeah. sure I I can guarantee you that. No, but like I mean like not good. Like like of course not, he's not good. Well, like doesn't yeah, there any doubt? Well, field. Mm-mm. No, he's he's a he's a high end backup. But he is. I'm not even sure he's a high end backup. I think he's like a mid to low range backup. No, he's a high end backup. He he like actually performed as a pretty adequate starter last year. Which is like a, a really outlier event for him, but <laughs> like no, but like any backup quarterback who's able to act like a mid-level starter for eleven games is probably a pretty good backup. And he and that's not that's not the only time he's ever done that. His first season in Indianapolis for the first half of the year, he was pretty good. And and like he that was the year Luck retired, and they were five and two, and Brissett was playing adequately, and there was a lot of talk of like this is the quarterback of the future, and then he fell off the face of the earth. So, like, he's a backup. Like, he can't be good for a full season. But he can play, like, a month or two months of, like, league average starter football. 
which a lot of backup quarterbacks can't play a game of that. So I think he's a high-end backup, but he's, he's not an actual starting quarterback. Yeah, you know what? I'll give you, like, he is a high-end to mid-range backup. He He's probably fairly similar, actually, to, like, a Daniel Jones or something like that. So that There's makes no sense. massive difference. <laughs> There's not. I just looked. <laughs> it made me laugh a lot. <laughs> he's like a Andy Dalton, like, adjacent type. Yeah. Yeah, he, does, he doesn't run as much as like Daniel Jones. Runs probably a little more than Andy Dalton. I don't remember. No, Andy Dalton, I think, had a couple like 250, 300 yards yeah. in his career. Yeah, he's he's fine. If you put Jacoby, if you have to play Jacoby Brissett for a couple of games, you can keep running your offense and the world will keep moving. But yeah, I mean, what I kind of, what I foresee actually is that Sam Howell starts the year, makes some mistakes, and they're like, oh man, we're done with him. And then they put in Jacoby Brissett. And then they win a game like 19 to 17, in which Jacoby Brissett has like 13 completions on 28 passes for 120 yards. Um, but they win um, because the other team turns the ball over three times. And they're like, man, Jacoby Brissett, he's a winner. He's going to keep the job. He's and then and then he like keeps it for another few weeks to win a couple games. It's, oh my God, is Jacoby the franchise quarterback? And they like advertise him on the Jumbotron, their season ticket package for next year, like they did with Heineke. And then eventually, like his luck runs out. And Jacoby starts throwing interceptions. They're like, ah, shoot. And then they look up in the records four and seven. They're like, well, I guess Sam Howell, you got to get back out there. And then Sam Howell finishes the season. Um, and he like runs like a chicken with his head cut off. And he plays mediocre football. Uh, and then they enter the season. They like finish three and three. And they're like, maybe Sam Howell should get a shot. And then we're all back where we were right now. You know what's actually hilarious? Um, I, I've, I've spoken a little bit about. Um, uh, Daniel Jones lately and somebody said something and I was like oh my god this is exactly the Taylor Hineke lines that I was told two years ago when he led yeah the commanders to the playoffs and they're like oh he's all he like he just wins like he's a winner yeah and Daniel Jones won games and you're forgetting they've always credited win the game they've always credited to like Taylor Hineke's personality like whenever I remember last year when Heineke like there were people that would show like Heineke stats and Wentz's stats and they were like identical. If anything, Wentz was actually a little bit better, but Heineke's like record was better. And then you'd hear Washington would be like, "Yeah, and like people in the huddle want to jump through a wall for him." And I'd be like, "But do they? Because like then wouldn't the stats be better?" Um, there's like I think actually like other teams just are more willing to miss field goals around him. I guess um, and I don't know if that's like an effect of his personality, but. Uh, it does, it does seem to be the take that like Taylor Heineke can manifest wins through his like try hard abilities and I his think, winning spirit. I think that it's like one of the most hilarious things that like the, I did a post a long time ago, maybe like uh, in January, I think, about how Brock Purdy is actually just like ran hot and whatever, and just go ahead and like cash in on QB wins over and over and over every single year in Dynasty. Some quarterback rises up because he won games last year. Dude's a winner. Like all he does is win. I mean, Purdy stats were actually win. good. What's that? Like, there's a pretty big difference. Like, like, okay. I think if you want to say that Purdy isn't good and that his stats were just fugazi because of the Shanahan system and because small sample variants, I think that's fine. But you can't say that like Purdy's stats were bad and they just won anyways. The stats were good. No, no, no. He his stats were completely like Jimmy Garoppolo-esque. 100% Jimmy Garoppolo asked. A little bit hotter on the touchdowns. Good for him. Uh, he also, you know, benefited from having, you know, 
some guys that weren't always available. To yeah, who do you need betting from? Christian McCaffrey, running back. Yeah, he's a different running back. Uh, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe what needs to happen is Jonathan Taylor needs to get on the phone with Jim Mercy and tell him to watch a god darn uh, 49ers game so that he knows that running back. Here's the trade that I want to happen. I want J.K. Dobbins plus like a fourth or a fifth for Jonathan Taylor. Restore the vibes. Why would anybody do two that? Two angry running backs. Two angry running backs that you go to a new team. Doesn't hate <laughs> them. They don't hate. Ultimate vibe reset trade. Everybody wins. Yeah. Anyways, back to the quarterbacks that are bad but possibly good is yeah. the the fact that just like QB wins pops up year after year after year. And it's just – it's so predictably hilarious when the quarterback inevitably crashes and burns because he was never good in the first place. His team just happened to run through a wall for him. It's wonderful. Yeah. But but people – the only thing that people um, fail to realize is that will be me next year when Desmond Ritter uh, leaves Atlanta to a 10-7 record in the fourth seed. I will say that it's because – of his winning spirit. So just be prepared for that. You will say that's my QB one from 2022. Let's go. Or yeah, I'll, I will victory. I will victory lap Desmond Ritter regardless of what did. Absolutely. Even if he's terrible, you'll victory lap him. Yeah, 100. I faded him after he fell to round three. Told you guys he sucked. He's good. Told you guys he was the quarterback one in this class. Steelers took Kenny Pickett. What the hell were they thinking? Of course, true. What were they thinking? I totally get it. So, anyway, Brock Purdy, is he uh, a long-term NFL quarterback, or will he be out of the starter's chair by 2024? Uh, I think he's a long-term NFL quarterback. Um, Not because he's anything spectacular, but because I think all it takes is, like, base confidence to operate the Shanahan scheme effectively. So, I think that as long as Brock Purdy stays healthy – which is a pretty, you know, pretty fair question. It seems like quarterbacks drop like flies in that scheme. Um, but I think if he stays healthy, whether or not he's good, he's playing for the best play caller in the world, throwing to Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey. And I think he's going to be able to just continually churn out passable results. And I don't think that he'll give them a reason to switch. Like, he's cheap. He's going to put up good results. We'll have success. I think they'll just ride on as long as it uh, keeps working. Okay, so I just want to um, take a moment and explain to the masses, the millions and millions of people around the world watching this sh- or listening to the show or watching, could be either, and just quickly, very, very quickly, no like uh, ill intent whatsoever. But uh, so Brock Purdy, he, he was. Pretty good as a rookie. He had 8.1 yards per attempt. That's really quite good. He had 13 passing touchdowns in like six starts. That's outstanding. Dude's a stud. He's the best. That's like two over two passing touchdowns per game. And here's what's really fascinating about all that is that Nick Mullins in this system once passed for 8.3 over an eight-game stretch. 8.3 yards per attempt. That's one. No, that's two point ones. <laughs> More than Brock Purdy. And he passed for 13 touchdowns in eight games. That's almost two touchdowns per game. And then the next time he got to play football for the San Francisco 49ers, when they actually had better players in 2020, he passed for 7.5 yards per attempt, which is a dramatic decrease. 
and only actually 12 touchdowns in 10 games. His touchdown rate just fell off a cliff. And he only scored 12.1 fantasy points per game because you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't rush the football. And do you know how many yards per game one Brock Purdy rushed for last season? Uh, not a lot. Very few. It's near zero, like 1.4. So, like, you're really, really, really relying on some excellent touchdown progression to keep Brock Purdy in the fantasy chair. Uh, and then also, like, I don't know. I'm not predicting him to be like a fantasy stud. I think he'll be more or less what Jimmy Garoppolo has been the last few years, which is like a mid to low end QB2. Like he's Correct me if I'm guard. wrong. You have moved him ahead of one Russell Wilson and Geno Smith in Dynasty Fantasy Correct. Football, have you not? And yet you are yeah. not projecting him to be a fantasy contributor? Well, I'm predicting to be a fantasy contributor. I think he's going to be a QB2, which in Superflex Leagues is certainly a contributor. Hmm. Hmm. What do you expect? I think he'll be like, I think he'll be in the 16 to 17 points per game range. Uh, he's going to be the pilot. He's going to be Daniel a Jones. Very effective vehicle. Well, Daniel Jones is up over 18 last year. One outlier season with 700 rushing yards. Right. Um, I think, I think Brock Purdy, I don't really have any confidence in Brock Purdy's talent. Like, if we want to have a referendum on, like, is Brock Purdy good outside of this environment? I think he's probably not. But at least for the time being, he only has to be good in this environment. So, that was the same argument for Nick Mullins, though, when Nick Mullins went back into the offense and then was terrible. Nick, But Nick Mullins was never like an intentional starter. But Nick Mullins came in as the backup. He tore his elbow. He comes back as a backup, and he gets another chance to start in a pinch. Like Brock Purdy is like the intentional starter for the San Francisco 49ers. And I think that, that matters. I mean, Nick Mullins was still... That matters Fine. for him getting on the field. That, that doesn't matter for him good being good. Team. I mean, that team, the team that Nick Mullins was with, especially his second stint, was, was nowhere near as good as this 49ers team. That team with Nick Mullins was uh, Debo Samuel was out. There was no Christian McCaffrey. I think George Kittle might have been playing. That was the year of like Brandon Ayuk's rookie year when he was averaging 15 points per game and everybody was like, it's fraudulent because all the other players are injured. Like That was that 49ers. That this was. 49ers is a... Fine dune machine. Um, what I don't think anyone in 2018 when Nick Mullins was awesome. Uh, like nobody good, but he was awesome then. Yeah, but his bad season was with like I think anybody can get hot. Absolutely, like like Brock Purdy, for example. Sure, but we have seen over time like. Does anyone think Jimmy Garoppolo is good? Because Jimmy Garoppolo posted sustainably good results. A lot of people thought Jimmy Garoppolo was He was the QB4 overall in Dynasty Fantasy Football at one point. Right, but they, they don't think he's good now, right? Devontae no, Adams they don't. would not be a second-round pick if people thought Jimmy Garoppolo was good. No, Jimmy Garoppolo is not so, good. Right, okay, yeah, so you agree. So Jimmy Garoppolo is not good. But Jimmy Garoppolo like posted sustainably strong results. I mean, there was a fluctuation effect. Like, when the 49ers had worse weapons, when they had a worse defense, he was mediocre. And when they had a better defense, they had great weapons, then he was awesome in massive air quotes. Awesome as in, like, he had great EPA and CPOE and fancy stats, but obviously he was still Jimmy Garoppolo under it all. Like, if Brock Purdy winds up flaming out in San Francisco and washes the shore somewhere else, I, I think he's probably worth the Mac Jones. Like, I, I feel pretty confident that he's worth the Mac Jones. Um, 
But that's not the case. Right now, he is a blessed man who gets the opportunity to pilot the world's most luxurious spacecraft for the next three years. And I think that as long as he's in charge of this machine, he's fine. And what if he's good? Like, I think he can be a mid-range quarterback too with three years of job security while being like sub-starter level. But it's not impossible that he's... I don't even say good. Like, that it's not impossible that he's like a Derek Carr-esque quarterback. Like he was just a rookie and he posted good results as a rookie. It's probably it fraudulent, but maybe it's not super fraudulent. Maybe it's only 30% fraudulent. Maybe he gets better. He probably gets better. He was just a rookie. So what like if what if he's just what if he is just like Derek Carr for his career, but he gets to be Derek Carr playing his entire career with the San Francisco 49ers? That's fun. Um, Derek Carr would be like a hundredth percentile outcome for him. That'd be great. Right, but he's—I mean—he's already tracking towards 100 percent outcome. He was the last pick of the draft, and he didn't shit himself when he got to play football. Like that's pretty impressive. I mean, I think we like pretty much anyone can be successful in that scheme, but not literally anyone, right? We saw Josh Johnson try; that didn't go very well, right? We saw we saw Trey Lance try; that didn't go too well. He played so on a monsoon. What are you talking about? He played two other games as a rookie. Did you Brock look at? He came in as a rookie and he lit it up. At one point, I went ahead and looked at their first, uh, I figured it was 100 passes or something is what Trey Lance did as a rookie. So when I looked at Brock Purdy's first 100 passes, they're the same freaking guy. Brock Purdy was also terrible when he first started. And yet, QB wins. And yet, QB wins. Just like So I found Nick, Nick Mullins' vaunted uh, receiving core when he was – Lighting up the world a la Brock Purdy as a rookie. We have George Kittle. This is 2018. 2018. Yeah, see what I had George he'll never, he'll never guess how good this oh, I think I can board. guess. Outstanding. Okay, Dante Pettis was probably involved at this point he, in time. He was. He was excellent with 467 yards. Okay, with Marquise Goodwin still a part of this crew? He was absolutely with 395 yards. Um, Was you missed Richie James two. part of this mix? Who? Richie James. Oh, yeah. 130 yards for Richie James. Okay. I'm missing the number two. Yeah. Like the number two um, receiver, receiving yardage leader. Is it Pierre Garçon? It was not. Oh, no. He, he was on the team, but he wasn't number two. He had 286 yards, so good for him. Okay. So, okay. I'm, honestly, I'm pretty impressed myself. I've gone four for four. On <laughs> this the is pretty good. On the 49ers. <laughs> I wouldn't have got this many. I might have um, like guessed that former 49ers receivers and got a few of these, but I wouldn't have known they were all on 2018. Okay, so I guess Gar- so you got a I have big, so far, I have- big marquee free agent signing just like last year or the year before. Um, last year or the year before, a marquee free agent signing. Yeah, marquee, marquee free agent signing. Big, big, oh big deal. Um. Signed in the AFC East. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, Kendrick Bourne, man. 487 yeah. yards on this team. Nick Mullins <laughs> was floated entirely by his receiving core. Unlike Brock Purdy. <laughs> oh, man. I wish I had gotten Kendrick Bourne organically. If I could have gotten oh, five yeah, five, It's embarrassing you cool. missed that one, but, you know, nobody's perfect. Yeah, there we go. 
like Andy moral of the story here is that Brock Purdy, or I mean Nick Mullins went out, was very impressive as a rookie, 8.3 or 8.1 yards per attempt, a whole bunch of touchdowns per game. Did exactly what Brock Purdy's doing. A little bit lower PFF grade, if I recall. I don't have that up, but I think it was about 67 versus 73, maybe somewhere thereabouts for Nick Mullins versus Brock Purdy. I don't believe I had ever seen what his, you know, all the stuff the 49ers quarterbacks are usually good at, the CPOE and that EPA and all that stuff. Um, but I would imagine he was good at it too because I think Garoppolo was pretty good at it back in those days as well. And uh, anyways, and then... I don't, I don't recall. I think I've looked into this before, and I maybe I'm wrong, but I recall him not being quite as strong. Like, I think... Think he was like sloppy Jimmy Garoppolo, like he got yeah, yeah, all the, yeah. like, the good stuff, but he like he was more mistake prone. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't as good as Garoppolo. That's true. But, um, uh, I think with Purdy, I mean, I would just say it as simple. If you put Brock Purdy on this team, do you think he does as well as he did last year? No, I don't think he does as well. So then Nick Mullins was a better quarterback as a rookie and Possible. fell completely off the map. But Brock Purdy will have no issues whatsoever going forward. Three-plus year starter and will bounce back someplace else when they replace him. Uh, he will not bounce back somewhere else. Oh, I thought you said he was going to bounce somewhere else and then he's going to be better than Mac Jones. No, I said literally the opposite. I said if he washes onto another shore, I feel quite confident that Mac Jones is better than him. Like I think Brock Purdy Oh, sucks. I misunderstood. I think I the, the entire take on Brock Purdy, Jones, the entire take on Brock Purdy not- is that is like he – is locked into a very particular environment. And so as long as he's locked into this environment, his life is good. If this environment should ever disappear, then I think his life will become very bad. Uh, but you but were- I don't think that he, I think that his environment is so good that I think he could just ride this way for, for at least another couple of years. I mean, I'm not saying he's a franchise quarterback on your dynasty team, but I think compared to other young quarterbacks who have been mostly bad, or veteran quarterbacks who have very limited value growth, I think betting on the young quarterback who was good is a reasonable opinion to hold. Okay, that's a really interesting topic because the interesting thing about, you know, like day three quarterbacks and like their, you know, their, what we call it, skills as rookies is that pretty much the good ones have had like basically 80 plus PFF passing grades. As rookies, we're talking about like Russell Wilson with an 87.7, Dak Prescott with a 79.7. Purdy's not one of the good ones. It's fine. No, he's not. Okay. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is 79.7. Right. Those but are it doesn't like matter. It's fine. And then yeah, we got Purdy's bad, but it doesn't matter. And then we got guys like Brock Purdy with 74.2, Bailey Zappi with 74, Kyle Allen with 73.2, Colt McCoy with 72.6, Cody Kessler with 71.9, and Gardner Minshew with 70. And then the wild thing about all this is that they basically instantly got replaced. But you're telling me it's unfathomable that Brock Purdy could fall back down to earth and some other quarterback on the San Francisco 49ers. Could be anyone, even Sam Darnold. Could just yeah, take over? Probably will be Sam Darnold. Not, not at all unfathomable. Like, very fathomable. Very so this fathomable. environment that we're talking about then, this is fathomable. So we have this environment, this fathomable environment with a quarterback who is fathomably going to get replaced. We have a number three overall pick who rushes an insane Ooh, amount that terrible. could be inserted, reinserted into this environment where every quarterback in the world passes well. well except for Are you him. not interested in that? Well, trailing to the CEH of Shanahan quarterbacks, we've been over this. 
every quarterback can succeed in the Shanahan system except for Trey Lance. Just Trey like Lance everybody back can succeed in the Brock Andy Reid environment except in the for Shanahan system. If, I mean, if, if Kyle Shanahan thought that Trey Lance could succeed in the Kyle Shanahan system, then Trey Lance would be the starting quarterback in week one. He probably will be the starting quarterback at some point. He probably won't be the starting quarterback. He probably will be. It's not unfathomable to be, suspect that a bad rookie quarterback could you, 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 you earlier said in this podcast that you could not envision a one and four outcome. Um, I, I am not such, I'm not so blinded. Um, I can envision several outcomes, including the uh, very slight chance that Trey Lance plays quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. I envision and if it. If Trey Lance played quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, you wouldn't be interested in that. You'd be very interested in that. Then why wouldn't you buy it? Uh, I have to buy it at basically the same cost as the player who's going to play quarterback for the San Francisco. The player who's going to score 14 points per game because he's not going to pass for two touchdowns a game again. It's very unlikely that he scores as low as 14 points per game. Why? When when is Jimmy Garoppolo? Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't run at all. When has he scored 14 points per game? Pretty frequently, doesn't he? Be honest, I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here. Doesn't feel like he scores 14 points. <laughs> I think I think he's usually in the 15 points per game range. I could be wrong. Yeah, I want to say 15 point three, 16.3, 16.0, 11.6, 16.0, 15.3. Okay, so well, 11.6 is probably the season he got injured like immediately. I know he played six games. Was any of the backup? Hey? Were any of those in the backup? I would imagine not in 2020, but he might have played. Or maybe played, he, he played the left one really early. early. In the game. Yeah, he only played. He only had four pass attempts in the last game. So okay, that okay. One so he's been he's fifteen to sixteen point five ish range. Yeah, that sounds like where Purdy will live. Uh, what? Sixteen point five. How's the ceiling? You said he was like sixteen point something. Uh, fifteen point three, sixteen point zero, sixteen point zero, sixteen point three, and fifteen point three. Okay. So fifteen point three to sixteen point three. Okay. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's, that sounds that's like where totally, Purdy's gonna live. Totally worth you know a seventh round pick. Yeah, so, it is. Yeah. <sighs> yes, you can start a freaking wide receiver two that scores that. You can get a running back off waivers in dynasty that scores that. You don't even need to start a second quarterback. Oh, you're starting. Who are we starting? Who are we starting off waivers that we're then putting in the super flex? And then we need to also fill all of the rest of the stuff. I'm not the guy who writes the damn Hitchhiker's Guide to the freaking Running Back Galaxy. That's you. You tell me who we're doing that with. And this is this is how many how many points per passing touchdown in this scenario? This is four point. I don't know. It's on player profile. Probably four, four point four. is default. Right, four point. So if we're playing in six point passing touchdown leagues, let's hike those up. Because one thing you know about Brock, well, Hardy, then hike up everyone. Touchdowns. You can just hike up him and no one else. But you can hike up all the quarterbacks. But you're not hiking up your waiver wire running backs and your wide receiver twos. Christian McCaffrey scored a passing touchdown. Passing last touchdowns? Year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. He got like a 50 yard okay. bomb. See, even Christian McCaffrey can succeed in the Shanahan offense. How do you think Christian McCaffrey can succeed? <laughs> well, not Trey Lance. Only, the only running back uh, succeeding in the Kyle Shanahan quarterback right, the group CH, is right. McCaffrey. Brock Purdy is like the Terrell Davis. Brock, Brock Purdy is, the Clint, is Clinton Portis, where he can only succeed in this environment. And if he ever tries to. Tries luck somewhere else, it'll go poorly for him. And Trey Lance is the CEH, where it's just he, he just he just doesn't have it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't believe that you've you've just flipped a switch and decided suddenly the Trey Lance can't play football anymore. It's wild. 
I will. I, I will buy. I will, I will finally buy trail. I will. Like at this point in time, there's just no benefit to buying uh, trailings. Like there are still wackadoos out there that think he has a chance of starting week one. He doesn't. Uh, currently, the uh, beat reporters are discussing whether or not he'll be cut in favor of Brandon Allen. So that's where we're at on Trey Lance. I just saw a thing that said he was the best quarterback in camp like two days ago. Yeah, well, he had a good day, apparently. That was the day after that column that said, should they cut him or Brandon Allen? There, that was Shanahan leaking it to the media like he did with Dante Pettis, light a fire. Like he did with Brandon Ayuk oh, when he put him in the doghouse for eight weeks. Right, yeah, right, like we did with Dante Pettis. And, and Dante Pettis turned it around and had a great success story. Yeah. Brandon Ayuk did. He figured out how to do it. He failed with Pettis. He's like, I'm going to flip it a little bit. We're not going to make it so media-driven in the preseason. We're going to wait till week one, put him on the bench, just like they're going to do with Trey Lance. By week eight, Brandon Ayuk is better than Debo Samuel, and we have Trey Lance um, back by week eight. Look, I'm not a big market timing person, but I, I really do think, like, I, I don't think that there's anything that's likely to be good news for Trey Lance between now and week one. Uh, and I think you're only going to see his price drop. And... You're only going to see him become more and more pliable once people realize that he's not like a, a part of their quarterback room that's going to contribute. And then, you know, once once he just kind of becomes an also ram, yeah, sure, Sasha, sure, Sasha. I mean, there, there's like there, there there's a price that is worth paying for a complete flyer on a player who will probably never play NFL football again, but is a running quarterback, and, and that's fine. I'm willing to pay it. I'm not willing to pay a seventh round price for it. It's interesting that you'd be willing to pay. Not a seventh round price for a player that could break the league at one point in his life, but you wouldn't. He's face not going to break the league. Price. You, you know who breaks the league? Rushing quarterbacks who are good. Trey Lance probably isn't. And we get you're like, drafting. I get that. I get that we don't know. I get that we don't know. I'm not. I think Anthony Richardson is woefully misvalued. Oh, I thought you liked him in round two. I thought you were. I thought you were into that. I thought you said. I, I distinctly recall you saying something along the lines of, no, "I don't no, care no, what his no, price no, is. No, I will no. take him no matter what." Yeah, I'm not going to be egregiously underweight a player of that profile um but the 201 is terrible i would never click him in a startup uh he goes ahead of deshaun watson that's that's lunacy um <laughs> uh i think his, his price is really bad i'll click him in rookie I, I have clicked him in rookie drafts like i think he's clearly the second best option in rookie drafts and you're not always getting the trade offer that you want and then he's generally on the block from there but like it's going to happen then i'm going to keep some shares I'm definitely not trading him just to trade. Like I, 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 if I'm trading off of Anthony Richardson, I want to capture the same upside elements that I'm getting from that profile. I want to, if anything, add to him, go get a Lamar Jackson, go get a, a truly elite quarterback rather than just breaking him up into a bunch of pieces. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be roughly with the market on Richardson, but from a startup perspective, if I was doing 60 startups today, I'd draft him in zero. Oof. That's, that is, that is just. Well, okay, I should rephrase. There's always going to be distribution in the ADP. So I might not draft him in zero because he might fall way past ADP in one. But if he went at ADP in all 60, I would draft him in zero. Yeah. Fair enough. I thought I could have swore you said, I don't care what his price is. You buy these players because I view them as, how did you call it? Un unattainable, unacquirable, unattainable? I can't right, remember. What yeah, was. I mean, but, but this is the context of a rookie draft, right? Oh, and a rookie drafts only. Anthony Richard, I mean, we don't live in a perfectly liquid market. No, you don't get to just take your 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 player and immediately cash them out into the value that they possess in ADP, and then cash the value out into other players that you like and want to trade for. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not moving Anthony Richardson unless I can move him into another asset of his asset class, which is a really scarce asset class in terms of a player who has the potential to legitimately break fantasy. 
Um, so I would be picky with my Anthony Richardson trades. But if I was to get, theoretically, a trade offer that I'd be willing to accept for every Anthony Richardson team, I'd be willing to do it. I'll take shots on this. I just think just simply running does not mean you break fantasy. You have to run and be good. And so, sure. That's what I feeling. said. Right. But, but Trey Lance, like, at this point, we definitely don't know everything about him. But we know less than the 49ers do. And... 49ers might be wrong, but I think the oh, only yeah. reasonable assessment of the 49ers' actions is that the team that knows him best thinks he sucks. And that doesn't mean we have to be 100% sure that he sucks, but I think that we should accept that as the most likely scenario. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think they told us that they have three franchise quarterbacks on the team right now. Kyle Shannon said that aloud. I saw, I saw a transcript of it. So yeah, one, one of those is, is Sam. Yeah, exactly. Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold, Brandon Allen. <laughs> Brandon Allen, of course. I I just misinterpreted the message. That's all. He, he wasn't clear enough. It's an easy mistake. It. I I have a confession to make. I actually told the patrons to stop buying Trey Lance like I don't know a week ago maybe, and I was like, you just just stop. We're not selling them. Just stop buying, and we will go ahead and buy him once Brock Purdy starts playing games in the regular season. Then his price is going to crater, and we're just going to buy them all, every team after that. So I'm somewhat on board with you. Well, we're not on board at all. We're on completely opposite trains. My train is going to the top of the championship totem pole, and your train is you know, getting 15.3 points per game from your seventh-round quarterback, which is doing nothing for you. So, yeah, we got different trains. But, yeah, here we are. Yeah, I... Uh I mean, Trey Lance has been the worst pick in startup draft for the entirety of the offseason, and he's, he's approaching no longer being that. So that's a plus. He's getting towards a, a more reasonable valuation. <laughs> All right. Um, should we shut her down? <laughs> I think let's shut her down. I'm late tired. So we're not going to have a show next week, everyone. Because I am gone, and I believe you're gone as well, aren't you? I'm in Ireland, yeah. Yeah, so we're both gone next week. So there'll be no show, but we'll be returning Fast and Furious thereafter. And, uh, yeah. Where can we find you, yeah. Jacob? Where can we find, find you? Me, you can find me on Substack, jacobsanderson.substack.com. Thinking about thinking. Find the Hitchhiker's Guide to Running Back there. Uh, that is where... Uh, I wrote about the Saints backfield and the Eagles backfield in depth. I will have the next piece forthcoming shortly on the Bears and on the Dolphins. So, yeah, make sure to check that out. Um, I will be going through basically every running back except for the really good ones um, all August. So if you if you enjoy talking about middling running backs, bad running backs, and probably won't make an NFL roster running backs, uh, you, you won't find more in-depth coverage than you will at Thinking About Thinking. Um, so we have you covered for that all the way through August. Um, and then uh, we'll be running that all the way through the season with analysis of running back usage, advanced analytics, and some film cut-ups all, uh, all mixed in um, throughout the season. So excited to do that uh, project once again with a little bit more Tommy over on the new site. So, yeah, that's what you'll be finding for me. Also, I have now best ball ranks, redraft ranks, and dynasty ranks. All I'm thinking about thinking. So any any format you play, we have you covered. That's awesome. 
And I am DFB Encounter. You can follow me on Twitter at DFB Encounter. Obviously, we have the uh, YouTube channel, Bulletproof Fantasy Football. And, of course, we are on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash bulletproofff. And until next time, have a wonderful day and week and two weeks. Good.